righteousness and your salvation all day long. Though I cannot sum them up, I come because of the mighty acts of the Lord God. I will proclaim your righteousness, yours alone. God, you have taught me from my youth. I still proclaim Righteousness reaches to heights, God. You who have done great things, God, who is like you. You caused me to experience many troubles and misfortunes, but you will revive me again. You will bring me up again, even in the depths of the earth. You will increase my honor and comfort me once again. Therefore, I will praise you with a harp for your faithfulness, my God, I will sing to you with a lyre, Holy One of Israel. My lips will shout for joy when I sing praise to you, because you have redeemed me. Amen. And let's rejoice together in singing. Rejoice the Lord is King, your Lord and King adore. Rejoice with thanks and sing and triumph up to their eternal home. 
say rejoice. Lift up your hearts. Lift up your heart. Lift up your voice. Rejoice again. I say rejoice. Amen. Give him praise. He's worthy. He's worthy of all our praise, our loudest shouts, our greatest singing, because he's done all good things. All praise to him. God of light, who formed the mountains by his might. All praise to him who names the stars that sing his name in skies above. All praise to him who reigns in love, who guides the galaxies above. Yet bends to hear our every prayer with sovereign power and tender care. All praise to Him whose love is seen in Christ the Son, the Servant King. Who left behind his glorious throne to pay the ransom for his own? All praise to him who realm became to bear a sorrow, sin, and shame. Who lived to die, who died to rise, the lives of fish and of joy and holiness to father son and spirit now our souls we lift our wills we bow to you the triune god we raise with loving hearts our songs of praise to father son and spirit now our souls we lift, our wills we bow, to you the triune God we raise, with loving hearts our songs of praise. Amen. Amen. You may be seated.
Uh, we want to uh, extend a welcome to everyone this morning, especially to those of you who may be guests with us this morning. Uh, thank you for choosing Hebron Baptist Church to worship. And if you are a guest this morning, a visitor, we uh, would ask that uh, you might uh, fill out a uh, visitor's card, uh, a connect card, as we usually call it. And uh, you used to have them uh, in the pews in front of you, but now what we have uh, on the back of the pew in front of you is, uh, is a little card with some QR codes on it. One of those QR codes is to bring up on your uh, phone or tablet a uh, connect card that you can fill out. And uh, if you rather not do it electronically like that, uh, we do have connect cards at our uh, next steps desk which is right out these double doors and to the immediate left. Uh, if you are a visitor with us, uh, we, we ask that you maybe fill out one of those Connect cards. And if you're a first-time visitor, uh, go out and visit our Next, de next Steps desk uh, right after the service, and we will have a gift for you as well. Uh, Hebron Baptist Church exists to to help each one of us, whether we're members, guests, or whatever, to take your next step toward Christ. And uh, that, whether that is uh, for salvation or for baptism, uh, maybe to join a life group or uh, a D group or something like that, or maybe even find a place of service in the church. Uh, we want to help you to do that, uh, to take your next step toward Christ. Um, at this time, we are going to uh, join together in corporate prayer and pray together. And uh, as I, as I uh, begin to lead us in that, uh, I've got some great news for us. Uh, uh, one, of the, uh, one of the things that is on our prayer list for this morning is the Grace Church in Wooten, uh, which is in London, England, uh, and missionary uh, Carl Porter is beginning that church, and today is a very significant day. Uh, today is the first day that they are meeting together as a church, and they are meeting right now. They meet in the afternoon, and it's afternoon there in England, and they are in, uh, have been meeting, uh, they started at what would be 10 o'clock our time, so about 43 minutes ago. Uh, they began meeting, and this is their first meeting, official meeting, as a church. And so we want to, we definitely want to raise them up in prayer. So pray with me as we uh, pray not only for Carl Porter in that church there, but uh, also for other things as well. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to meet together here and, and corporate worship. And Lord, we pray that as we pray, you would accept our prayer as an offering to you. Uh, Father, we pray this morning for Carl Porter and, and the Grace Church there in Wooten that uh, you would be especially blessing to them. And what a, what a blessing it is to us to know that uh, we've had even just a small part in the in the work that is there and, and is progressing so well. And what a blessing it is uh, to, not only to us, but to, I'm sure to them as well as, as they meet this morning. Uh, Father, as we uh, think about our, uh, uh, about our core value of joyful hospitality, 
uh, we, we just pray that we would be a hospitable people. Father, hospitality not only uh, is for those outside that we invite in, but Father, even to each other. We need to be hospitable to each other. And Father, sometimes it might be a little uncomfortable for us to, to extend a, a greeting and, and so forth to people who are strangers, but we know that uh, we should not have any strangers within our own church. Uh, Father, we are brothers and sisters in Christ, and we ought to treat each other as brothers and sisters and, and extend hospitality to each other as well as to those outside the church. Uh, Father, we also pray this morning for Mark, Mark Loy, and uh, we are thankful for the miracles in his life. Uh, he's been through some uh, s very severe situations lately in, uh, in relation to his health, and Father, we just pray for, uh, for his continued healing. Uh, we know that he has, uh, he has come through uh, miraculously come through a couple of events this past week that uh, were very life-threatening. And so, Father, we, we thank you for the, the work that has already happened in his life and for the healing he's already seen, and we just pray that uh, he would continue to heal. Uh, Father, we also pray for some upcoming events. We have our uh, life group training coming up next week, along with uh, life group and discipleship launch the week after that. We pray that, uh, that you would make these two events successful, Father, that many would find uh, both a life group and a D group to participate in, that they, they might grow in Christ. And Father, forgive us where we have fallen short. Father, we have, uh, we have fallen short uh, in extending hospitality and in so many other areas as well. And Father, we just beg your, your forgiveness. We know that the Lord Jesus Christ died for our sins. And Father, we just pray that, uh, that as we confess our sins, as you have promised, you would forgive us of our sins. And uh, Father, help us to live as Christians in this world, live as we, you would have us to live. For it's in Christ's name we ask it. Amen. Amen. All right. I'm going to read a scripture this morning, and uh, then we will continue with our uh, singing. When he entered Capernaum again after some days, it was reported that he was at home. So many people gathered together that were there, and there was no room, not even in the doorway. And he was speaking the word to them. And he, they came to him bringing a paralytic carried by four of them. Since they were not able to bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him, and after digging through it, they lowered the mat on which the paralytic was lying. Seeing their faith, Jesus told the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. But some of the scribes were sitting there, questioning in their hearts, Why does he speak like this? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Right away, Jesus perceived in his spirit that they were thinking like this within themselves and said to them, what are you th Why are you thinking these things in your heart? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up and take your mat and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he told the paralytic, I tell you, Get up, take your mat, and go home. 
and immediately he got up, took the mat, and went out in front of everyone. As a result, they were all astounded and gave glory to God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. Amen. And the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins. Isn't that good news? Amen. Let's stand together and sing together of the good news that the Son of Man has the authority to get forgive sins and has demonstrated that authority by dying on the cross for our sins and rising again on the third day. Let's sing together. I heard an old, old story How a Savior came from glory How He gave His life on Calvary To save a wretch like me about his throning of his precious blood's atoning then I repented of my sins and won the victory oh victory in Jesus my Savior forever he sought me and bought me with his redeeming blood he loved me and I knew him all my love is to him he plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood I heard about his healing of his cleansing power revealing how he made the lame to walk again and caused the blind to see cry dear Jesus come and heal my broken spirit and somehow Jesus came and brought to me the victory oh victory in Jesus my Savior forever he sought me and bought me with his redeeming blood he loved me ere I knew him and all my love is to him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. I heard about a mansion he has built for me in glory. And I heard about the streets of gold beyond the crystal sea about the angels singing and the old redemption story and some sweet day i'll sing up there the song of victory oh victory in jesus my savior forever he sought me and bought me with his redeeming blood he loved me and i knew all my love is to him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and bought me with his redeeming blood. He me and I knew him, and all my love is to him. Plunge me to victory 
victorious over sin and death. Amen. Amen. As we go into a time of hearing from God's word, let's pray that God would speak to us. Let's make this our prayer.
for singing. You may be seated. times today the the phrase hallelujah hallelujah and uh, and 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 to the point where at times it may be a little uncomfortable and awkward uh, but Sean said it's okay so I can make things a little a little uncomfortable this morning hallelujah comes from two Hebrew words or phrases put together uh, the first being hallel which is praise and the second being yah which is the first two letters of what they call the Tetragrammaton, or the four letters that were put in the scriptures as the name for God. And so, Hallelujah, Hallelujah is an interjection that means praise the Lord. And so when I say interjection, it's, it's much like you would use the term shh. Okay, when, when I go shh, everybody has a response to it. They know what it means. They have some type of guttural feeling of, oh, wow, this... This means something. And so hallelujah is an interjection in much the same way. But it means praise the Lord. And so it's a way that we would say praise the Lord or, or, or praise God. And so as, as we go throughout our daily life, we should be praising God. Many of us, we're finding troubles in this life because we're not praising God enough and not looking upon the troubles in our circumstances with the right hallelujah mindset. Uh, so, so today we're, we're going to be reading uh, and, and looking at hallelujah in Psalm 147, Psalm 147. So on your devices or your Bibles, open to Psalm 147. If you've got one of the pew Bibles with you, turn to page 552. Now all of my life, I, I have to say, Psalms was the very first book that I would turn to. Not because I liked it, but because it was the big book right in the middle. And so I would pick up the Bible and just flip it open. It would always land in the Psalms. I knew that if I was going to the Old Testament, I would take a left. If I was going to the New Testament, I would take a right. But I never spent, never spent very much time in the Psalms. I didn't understand them. I thought they were boring. Like, well, that's just, that's like the hymn book. That's something that I don't really need to focus on because I'm not musical. I can't sing, so, so I'm going to ignore it. And, and then 2020 happened. The, the year that when I say 2020, people still like, mm, just, let's pretend that year didn't exist. So uh, lots of challenges came about in, in my life as, as well as many others. And, and I started taking devotions from Spurgeon's Morning and Evening. And if you've ever read Spurgeon's writing, uh, he's very prolific, very talented. Uh, but he was also a man of troubles himself. And so he would look to the Psalms frequently for comfort. And he would exposit truth from the Psalms in a way that not many can. And as, as I started watching how he used the Psalms, it was very transformative in my life. And so today I wanted to do something very different, very different. Now, we all to some degree know that music can be mood altering. It can help 
help us kind of change directions, even those of us that are not musical. There, there's an old song by David Allen Coe. I do not recommend that you look up the artist or the album, uh, but he, he speaks of a time where, where um, it's, it's this fictional situation where he's getting advice from the ghost of Hank Williams Sr. And so Hank Williams Sr. runs into him and picks him up on the side of the road, and he says, Drifter, can you make folks cry when you play and sing? Have you paid your dues? Can you moan the blues? Can you bend them guitar strings? I said, boy, can you make folks feel what you feel inside? Because if you're big star bound, let me warn you, it's a long, hard ride. And I had sung that multiple times, but I had never put together that music and the words of the music can be transformational. So many of us, we receive some form of transformation from lesser things, from cheaper things. We'll need to be calmed down, and so we'll flip on the radio station, and, and we'll listen to some soothing music that'll kind of calm us down a little bit. Or, or maybe we've got an exciting thing that we're going to get pumped up for, and so we'll turn on the, I, I, still even in our household, this Right? It evokes some form of emotion because we know what it means. We know we're, we're, we're not sure really what we're going to be doing, but somebody's going to be, be rocked. Okay? And, and so this idea music, even the cheaper, lesser things, can be motivating and transformational. So how much more value and importance can we get from the transformational music that was written by our Lord? And so as we go through Psalms, today I said I'm going to do things different. The, the typical kind of pastoral approach to, to doing a sermon, they'll, they'll go through and they'll read the text multiple times and kind of study what, uh, what's behind the text and the context of the text and the words of the text. And, and then they'll try to shape together three or four really good theologies, has five points. And, and they'll put together these, these points that all point forward to one major point that they want you to walk away with. And so if they've done their job, you're walking out of here in some form of just uniform nature with this solid point that you uh, this came from the text. It's a direct word from God. There's application points to it. I'm not going to do that today. So those of you that are ADHD inclined, you're going to be excited. We'll be all over the place. You'll have to keep up. Uh, but what I am going to do is to stay in line with the, the alliterations. I'm going to say here's three P's that we can bring about from this text. Okay, the first one is how we can use the Psalms for prayer. How can we use the Psalms for prayer? The second is how can we use the Psalms to meditate on and think on the Lord's perfections? The Lord's perfections. And the third of which is how do we use the Psalms for pleadings? Precious pleadings, things that we can plead one to another to give direction and push folks in the right direction um, and so I, I really wanted to use those P's mainly because Mark used P's earlier and I didn't want his use to, of the word plucky was it to, to overshadow mine um, so, so we're going to be using some P's here uh, the, the first being prayer and so in Psalms I want you in Psalms 147 I'm going to be using the first section of Psalms and just show you how someone might pray through the Psalms and use the Psalms for prayer. Now, Donald Whitney, in his book, Praying the Bible, he tells us, 
it's, it's, it's really interesting. He said, it is as though God said to his people, I want you to praise me, but you don't know how to praise me. I want you to praise me, not because I'm an egomaniac, but because you will praise that which you prize the most. And there is no, there is nothing of greater worth to you than I. There is nothing more praiseworthy than I. And it is a blessing for you to know that. It will lead to your eternal joy if you praise me above all others and above all else, and to your eternal misery if you do not. But there's a problem. You don't know how to praise me, at least not in a way that's fully true and pleasing to me. In fact, you know nothing about me unless I reveal it to you, for I am invisible to you. Therefore, since I want you to praise me, and it is good for you to praise me. But since you don't know how to praise me, here are the words that I want you to use. And he uses this in his text, talking about the Psalms. So with that, I'm going to spend some time in the beginning part of Psalms, and I'm going to pray. But again, I'm going to be a little uncomfortable. We all learned prayer, as we're supposed to pray, is done with eyes closed, heads bowed, hands in your laps, and there's a lot of wisdom in that, especially if you're raising young children that can't keep their hands to themselves, they can't focus, they like to chit-chat, right, or like to finish half their meal while your head's bowed and eyes are closed, okay? So I'd encourage you to do that in your homes. But Jesus, one of his models of prayer in John 17, what does he do? It says he lifts his eyes up and his heads to the Lord. And so we can pray with multiple postures. And so as I'm praying the Psalms, it's not going to be a traditional posture but i do want you to watch how i use the text so in psalms 147 look at the text hallelujah how good it is to sing to our god for praise is pleasant and lovely the lord rebuilds jerusalem he gathers israel's exiled people he heals the brokenhearted and bandages their wounds he counts the number of the stars. He gives names to all of them. Our Lord is great, vast in power. His understanding is infinite. The Lord helps the oppressed and brings the wicked to the ground. And I praise you, God. I praise you, God. You are pleasant. You are lovely. How good it is to sing to you. Thank you, Lord, for building your kingdom, for bringing together your people just as you brought us together today. Our Lord, you are healer. You tell us that you heal the brokenhearted, that you bandage their wounds. And, and for that, I thank you, Lord. I thank you that I see Kay here today. I thank you that you've helped her and healed her. Lord, I pray for Mark Loy and the struggles that he's going through, Lord, that you would continue a good work in his life and heal him. Lord, I pray for the brokenheartedness of James Pitts and, and his family as they mourn the loss of his father. I pray that you would be a comforter to him. And God, as I look out here today, I know there are people here that are, that are awaiting news from doctors. They're struggling with problems in their family and their finances, God, and I pray that you would comfort them, that you would heal them and show them your power. Lord, I'm, I'm amazed by you. 
at night when I look at the sky and I see the vast number of stars to know that you created each one of them, that you hold them all in your hand, you know each of their names, and yet you loved me enough to send your son for me. Hallelujah, O oh Lord. Thank you. Thank you. You are powerful. You are infinite. I want to turn my troubles over to you. Your understanding is infinite. Your wisdom is infinite. I thank you for knowing what to do and when to do it, even when it would not be the way that I desire. Lord, I, I, I pray as we all turn our troubles over that, that if, if folks among us have hard conversations that they've got scheduled before them in the coming weeks, that we would turn those troubles over to you now and trust in your infinite wisdom. Lord, if we've got home projects that are causing us stress, that we would turn those troubles over to you in your infinite wisdom, your vast power. Lord, for those that may have doctor's appointments coming up, be on medicine cycles or going to physical therapists, Lord, those that are giving care to a loved one, that those that are feeling the stress and the weight of those troubles, that we would turn those troubles, those cares over to you because you are vast in power and infinite in wisdom. And Lord, I praise you for your justice. We see that you help the oppressed, that you bring the wicked to the ground. And as we see cases of in justice in our life or in the macro way that the world is running today, human trafficking, modern-day slavery, deaths of innocent babies in their mother's wombs. I pray, God, that you would bring those oppressors to the ground, that you would stop their sin. And Lord, I pray all of this in Jesus' name and for your name's sake. Amen. So that is one way that we may use the Psalms in prayer as we walk through the text. The text will trigger us in things to pray about so that we can praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. But it's not just for prayer. We can meditate on the Psalms to learn of the Lord's perfections. Now, in addition to, to not wanting Mark's use of the word plucky to overshadow me, okay, I use the term perfections because it is the best way to describe the attributes of God. Now, many systematic theologies will name this section on the attributes of God or, or things that we know about God as attributes. Some theologians will name them as perfections. In fact, Charles Ryrie, he says in his, in, in his section of the systematic theology, Attributes are qualities that are inherent to a subject. They identify, distinguish, or analyze the subject, and most theologies entitle this chapter, the chapter on God, the attributes of God. I prefer perfections because all of the qualities or attributes of God are perfect. His attributes are his perfections. And so I, I want us to look through this section of Psalms. We're going to be starting around verse 7, going through verse 14, and... and uh, I'm just going to pull out three perfections of God. Uh, one, that he is a sovereign provider. Number two, is he is unchanging, he's unimpressed by us. And number three, that he is gracious. 
So look with me in Psalms 147, starting in verse 7. Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Play the lyre to our God, who covers the sky with clouds, prepares rain for the earth, and causes grass to grow on the hills. He provides the animals with their food and the young ravens what they cry for. He is not impressed by the strength of a horse. He does not value the power of a warrior. The Lord values those who fear him, those who put their hope in his faithful love. Exalt the Lord, Jerusalem. Praise your God, Zion, for he strengthens the bars of your city gates and blesses your children within you. He endows your territory with prosperity. He satisfies you with the finest wheat. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. The Lord, Yahweh is his name, is a sovereign provider. Yahweh is a sovereign provider. Hallelujah. Now look at verses 7 through 9. We see that he covers the sky with clouds and he send, sends the rain and he causes grass to grow and he provides for his creation. As, as we read this in today's modern day world, we don't think about the necessity of rain and vegetation growth as a positive thing. Most of us look at rain as like, well, that's going to ruin our picnic this afternoon or I've got to bring an umbrella with me. Um, and they think about vegetation growth as well, I've got to mow the lawn more frequently, or here comes the weeds. And so we think of rain and vegetation growth as, as, as negative things. But if we think a bit deeper, and especially in the context in which this was revealed to God's people, rain and vegetation growth was the support of their life. Okay, so if we think about our economy and how it runs, and, and whether or not we're going to have food on our table, that is closely tied to rain and vegetation growth. And we see here, God is the sovereign provider. What does he do? It says, he covers the sky with clouds. He's the one doing it. He prepares the rain for the earth. So he is the one over sovereign control of the weather, of the vegetation growth. And then it says, it says not only that, he provides. He provides the animals with their food and the young ravens what they cry for now i've often heard <clears throat> i've often heard that a, that a pastor before preparing or, or preaching a sermon he has to live out the sermon leading up to it and and so this this past a good week ago we're coming back from uh from argentina and um and the, and the richards had wonderful time with them um, some some parts of the trip were not so wonderful i'll tell you that later not appropriate for sunday morning um, but the, uh, the, the good time with the Richards, we came back that Sunday. I'm sitting here meditating on this text, and it just I kept hearing that, that word ravens, 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 ravens. And, and it was really impressed on me. Just consider the ravens. Consider the ravens. And so Monday rolls around, and I go back into work. And I'm in work and haven't been out and unplugged for two weeks. I have no idea what's going on at work. And, and I learned very quickly in the next two days that... Our company has released their earnings calls, and, um, and there were layoffs, and, and, and there's some level of trepidation in the organization. Um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm listening to this, and, and, and I start getting sinfully anxious. You know that time where you, I'm, I'm going to not trust in the Lord for his provision, for his protection, for, 
for his control over all the matters of the economy, and I'm rather going to trust in myself or in my customers or in my pipeline. I'm going to start trusting in these things that truly have no control and power. So I started getting sinfully anxious, and right there I fought that. I started to put it to death, and I wrote down on a piece of paper a prayer to God, Lord, help me to trust in you. Help me to trust in you and your sovereign control over all the things. And, and I wrote that down, and, and within minutes, my mind's in a different direction. I'm on a meeting, and one of the, the, one of the partners we work with, they've got a one-on-one -on -one meeting with me, and he says, hey, I just want you to, to know I'm looking for someone with your skill sets to join our team. And, and I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Here, I'll, I'll take it down. I'm not interested now, but I'll take down the information. I wrote it down. And then the next few, few minutes later, somebody else comes on and says, hey, did you hear this other company is hiring and looking for someone? And, and they're looking for someone that's got your skill sets. And I was, oh, that's interesting. I'm going to write that down. And it was at that point I looked down and I realized I had just written details of two different opportunities right under the prayer to trust in the Lord. God says, consider the ravens. That sounds familiar to us because he writes of that in Luke 12:24. In Luke 12:24, Jesus says, consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They don't have a storeroom or a barn, and yet God feeds them. Aren't you worth much more than the birds? So the Lord's telling me, look at the perfections of his sovereign provision. God is the sovereign provider, and we are of much more value than the ravens whom he provides for. But let's not let that go to our head. Because another perfection that we see in this text is that Yahweh is unimpressed by us. Yahweh, our God Yahweh, is unimpressed by us. Hallelujah. He is unimpressed. Now, now we fall into this trap thinking that some way we can manipulate God. If we're just good enough or we say the right things or we do the right things, we're somehow going to change his character, his plan, his perfections, so that he can serve us in some way. And many a times, the way that we act or the way that we desire to act is more informed with worldly values than with godly character. So we see here in the text that Yahweh is unimpressed by us. Hallelujah! He's unimpressed by us. So let's, let's look at that text here. Starting with verse 10, he is not impressed by the strength of a horse. He does not value the power of a warrior. The Lord values those who fear him, those who put their hope in his faithful love. He is not impressed by the strength of a horse. We see the strength of a horse and the power of a warrior. What in the world are they talking about here? So in this time when this is delivered, the horse was a piece of military equipment. The horse was part of the economic engine that plowed fields that brought about the harvest. So the horse was very important. And so as, as we think about maybe modern day, it's like God is not impressed by the size of your harvester. God is not impressed by the size of your tanks and your missiles and your guns or your gun collection. 
He does not find those kinds of things impressive. So when we look at the, the worldly things, the things the world values as strength, as power, God looks at that and he just chuckles. He laughs. That's not impressive to him. What does he find value in? And the Psalms tells us he finds value in, he delights in those that fear him. Those that fear him. Which is not the message the world is teaching us. So he is unimpressed by us. Hallelujah. Now, as we think about the fear of the Lord, Scripture speaks about it in, in many ways. In, in Proverbs, it says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of our wisdom. And it even ties it in Acts 9 to church growth. So in, in Acts 9, it says, The church throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria, they had peace and were strengthened. They were living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, and it increased in numbers. So the fear of the Lord is what the Lord delights in, what he responds to. He is not impressed by us. And not only is he not impressed by us, he is still gracious. Yahweh is gracious. Hallelujah. So let's look at the last part of this text. Verse 12, exalt the Lord, Jerusalem. Praise your God, Zion, for he strengthens the bars of your city gates. He blesses your children within you. He endows your territory with prosperity. He satisfies you with the finest wheat. The Lord is gracious. So even though he is not impressed with us, he provides he has not only provided us with food and shelter and the things that we do not deserve, but he has provided us with his son. A son that obeyed in all the ways that we did not obey and a son that took punishment for what we've done. And so as, as, as we reflect on God's perfections in the Psalms, there's folks here today that you do not know the God of the Psalms. You may think you know him or know about him, but you do not know him. And for those folks, I want to encourage you today, leave that life. Get to know him. Repent of your sins. Turn and trust in the gracious God, the sovereign provider. The one that is not, a, not impressed by you, but still gracious enough to provide his son for you. And then there's others among us, there's others among us that we know the God of the Psalms, but we still need to get to know him. We still need to know him better from the Psalms. And so I'm hoping today, we're, we're modeling a few different things. One, how we can use the Psalms to praise the Lord, to pray towards God, how we can use the Psalms to reflect on his perfections, attributes, learn more about him and who he is and his character, that he's a sovereign provider, that he's unimpressed with us, but he's gracious. And then the third thing that, that I want us to think about and take away from these Psalms is how we may use this for pleadings with one another, pleadings. 
Now, I want you to think back. When was the last time that someone in this church came up to you with a song and said, here, I, I want you to read this section of the song. I would venture to say probably rarely if ever outside of someone from the pulpit or someone from a life group or someone in a, in a Sunday school class teaching on the psalm and trying to bring you something from the psalm and yet we see we see in Ephesians 5:19, Paul writes that we should address one another with psalms hymns and spiritual songs and the first in his list is psalms you should address one another with psalms. Hallelujah! Hallelujah is a way to address one another with psalms. We're telling each other, praise the Lord. Praise Him for the things that are going well. Praise Him for the things that are not going well. Hallelujah is a way that we should address one another. But the psalms are full of rich pleadings that we can use. And so I just want to call out a few of these. The first one I want to call out, let's look at verse 15. Look at me with verse, verse 15. It says here, in verse 15, He sends His command throughout the earth. His word runs swiftly. He, Yahweh, sends His command throughout the earth. So, so my pleading with you is to go with the gospel. Once you have repented and believed and trusted in that gospel that God has sent Christ for you, go with it. Go to your one. Make sure they know Christ. Go to your neighbors. Go to your co-workers. Go to students that you see in school. Go with the gospel. And, and not just locally. To the ends of the earth. This calling that he sends his word. He declares his word. He sends it throughout the earth. His word runs swiftly. It is moving. Acts, we read of this. To Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. God is planting churches. He's building up his church. And he is sending the gospel to the ends of the earth. So go with it. Go with the gospel. And that's one thing we might encourage each other from the Psalms. And then we look a little further down. Let's look at verse 17. In verse 17 it says, He throws his hailstones like crumbs. Who can withstand his cold? He sends his word and he melts them. He unleashes his winds and the water flows. This is another callback to the sovereign power of our God. The sovereign power of our God so we can trust him. We are to trust him. There is not a problem in your life that he does not have absolute control over. We can trust him. We spend far too much time in worry and anxiety and fretting because we are not trusting in the Lord and as a community we should build one another up pleading with one another from the Psalms saying trust in the Lord trust in Yahweh hallelujah trust in him from verse 17 
And then if we look at verse 20, one other pleading that I think we can make. Verse 20. He has not done this for every nation. They do not know his judgments. Hallelujah. He has not done this for every nation. They do not know his judgments. There is exclusivity in God. And we should praise him and be grateful for the exclusivity that exists in God. So God has called us out. He has a chosen people. And those that do not repent, those that do not turn from their sin, those that do not trust in him, unfortunately, will be excluded. Excluded from the kingdom. Excluded from eternity in heaven with him. And as heaven is down on earth, the new heavens and the new earth, they will be in eternal torment. And we should be grateful that he has so chosen to bring us into that kingdom. And so as we look at the Psalms and see, hey, there, there's places in the Psalms and, and ways that we can use the Psalms to pray and praise the Lord. There's ways that we can use the Psalms to reflect on and, and learn more about his perfections. But we don't just stop there. We use the Psalms to plead with one another. So I want to challenge you this day as you reflect on this Psalm, as you go and read other Psalms, look for places in the Psalms that you can go and plead with one another. You can go and encourage one another, uplift one another, rebuke one another with the perfect word of God that he's given us. So today, my pleadings for you, go with the gospel, trust him, and be grateful for the exclusivity in Christ. And I pray that you've seen the Psalms are much more than what we often give them credit for. It's not just a random list of hymns, but it's got transformational power. So pray with me today, would you? Lord, I come to you. And I ask you, Lord, to transform us, transform this people. Give us a love and a desire for you. Give us a hunger for your word. Lord, give us a desire that we would take your word to the ends of the earth. that we would not just be transformed by it, but go and transform others with it. Forgive us where we failed to praise you, to sing and shout hallelujah in all circumstances. And help us, Lord, to do this. Lord, I pray this all in your name and for your name's sake. Amen. We have witnessed the glory of God in his word and through the psalms. Would you stand and let's sing and praise the wondrous mystery that is Jesus Christ.
Come behold the wondrous mystery in the dawning of the King. He the theme of heaven's praises, robed in frail humanity. In our longing, in our darkness, now the light of life has come. Look to Christ who condescended, took on flesh to ransom us. Come behold the wondrous mystery, He the perfect Son of Man, in His living, in His suffering, never trace nor stain of sin. See the true and better Adam come to save the hell-bound man. Christ the great and sure fulfillment of the law in Him we stand. Come behold the wondrous mystery, Christ the Lord upon the tree. In the stead of ruined sinners hangs the Lamb in victory. See the price of our redemption, see the Father's plan unfold, bringing many sons to glory, grace unmeasured, love untold. Come behold the wondrous mystery, slain by death, the God of life. But no grave could e'er restrain him, praise the Lord, he is alive. What a foretaste of deliverance, how unwavering our hope, Christ in power. We will be when he comes. Come behold the wondrous mystery, slain by death, the God of life. But no grave could e'er restrain him. Praise the Lord, he is alive. Thank you for your singing. You may be seated. Let's watch this video together and celebrate what God is doing in Salt Lake City. I think. I think. Hey, uh, I'm Isaac Cotter. Um, the way that Jesus came to me was about two years ago. Um, I just had a lot of questions, and um, I think he put this in like my life. So I could find him. So through reading the Bible and um, 
I really, I, I came to find out who he is. And um, he is the one eternal God. He's a savior of me for my soul. Um, it's nothing of my own doing. It's simply a gift from him through grace. And um, that's why I'm getting baptized today. I want to make sure it's in the All right, Isaac, I have three questions I'm going to ask you. Isaac, do you profess that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father except through him? Yes. Isaac, do you profess that Jesus Christ is your personal Lord and Savior? Yes. Isaac, do you commit this day to follow the Lord Jesus Christ all the days of your life, no matter how hard it gets? Yes. Isaac, Based on your testimony and confession here today, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Oh. <laughs> we had the chance to meet that young man while we were in Salt Lake this last week um, and pray for him. He has to walk away from his family. His entire family is Mormon. And that cost him everything, right? what he just did. So pray for him, pray for the ministry of Redeeming Life Church as they continue to reach out and, and bring God's light into the darkness of Salt Lake City. Well, thanks again for joining us today in worship, whether uh, if you're in the room or if you're online checking us out, thanks for being here. Just a couple of final announcements before we leave. I want to just remind us that um, of the Life Group training coming up on August 13, so that's next Sunday, um, this is not just for life group leaders. This is for everybody involved in a life group. We're going to spend time reminding each other of, of, of the task that's in front of us as we meet together. It's not just to, to sort of in, insulate ourselves, but to actually be missional in our communities. So I want to encourage you to be a part of that. That's going to be next Sunday um, from, from um, where did it go? There it is, from 4 to 6. That's why I brought my glasses up here. I'm getting old. Man, that is just not fun. Uh, so, uh, Discipleship Launch, uh, uh, we're going to start our D groups uh, in a couple of weeks. You can sign up uh, for those. Or you can check out uh, uh, the Next Steps desk to find out more about that. Uh, back to School Bash on the 20th also, we're going to need volunteers for food and uh, to help kind of keep an eye on inflatables and for cleanup and registration. Um, so just be praying about it and thinking about how you can be a part of that. Um, that being said, um, let me pray for our, uh, we worship through singing and through uh, hearing from God's word, and we're going to worship through offering in just a moment. So let's pray over that. Lord, we pray that you would take um, this gift that we have uh, uh, in our wallets, but more importantly in our hearts and in our lives, and we pray that, we would, that you would help us to give sacrificially today, knowing that what we are doing is, is giving uh, toward the furthering of, the, of your kingdom, Lord, that we are, our money that we give goes to help church plants like uh, that that begins today in Rotten, that began this morning or this afternoon in Rotten, uh, England, Lord, that uh, continues to labor, Lord, in Salt Lake City and with Redeeming Life Church, but in all the different ways that we pray that you would take what we give and that you would multiply it, that your glory would be known, that your word would go out into all the world. Um, so, Lord, we pray these things in Christ's name if your glory. Amen. Would you stand to your, or let, let, we're going to sing together. You can Sit down while we pass the plates. <laughs> Thank you. 
one needs compassion, love that's never failing. Let mercy fall on me. Everyone needs forgiveness, kindness of a Savior, the hope of
Go shine your light.